people need something to get behind. They need a symbol. Damn right. The world is upside down right now. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. Where do we start? Hello, girl, kick your ass! Bonus episode. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And you uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Sure only talent. It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome back to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. Jake. And, and we're the leftovers. leftovers. And we are going to be talking about Disney Plus's new series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. First, before we dive in, got another contest for everybody. Uh, now yours to own on digital Blu-ray and DVD. Dive deeper into the critically acclaimed and wildly entertaining Promising Young Woman, now nominated for five Academy Awards including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Actress Carrie Mulligan. Don't miss the Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh film that critics are calling a game-changing masterpiece, now with exclusive bonus content that takes you behind the scenes of the edge-of-your-seat story with the cast and writer-director Emerald Fennell bring home the film everyone is talking about on digital Blu-ray DVD today. And here's the thing, uh, giving away five physical copies of Promising Young Woman. We've, I actually have talked about this, this movie came up in our awards show. I thought Carrie Mulligan was fantastic. This movie is amazing. Uh, and now you can own a physical copy of this. All you have to do, I'm going to send out a Promising Young Woman tweet and Facebook post. All you have to do is share it, retweet it, take a screenshot, send it to me, comments at popcultureleftovers.com. And uh, use the title, the subject, Promising Young Woman, and you'll be entered into the contest to win one of five physical copies that we will mail to you in the mail. You'll go to your, to your fucking mailbox and you'll be like, what the fuck is, oh my God, I won this fucking thing. And it's it's an awesome movie. You'll love it. I loved it. It's a fantastic movie. And uh, you could win and own this for yourself. Uh, has anyone else on the podcast seen this movie? Crickets. No, no. Crickets. You guys gotta watch it. It's fucking fantastic. I was blown away by this movie. Bo Burnham, Clancy Brown, Carrie Mulligan. It's, it's an incredible film. So yeah, promising woman, young woman, please enter the contest. I'll go over the winners on next week's podcast. Now, let us jump into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This episode was titled New World Order. Directed by Kerry Scogland, and it's written by Malcolm Spellman. And this takes place six months after Half of All Life returned from the blip. And we've got uh, the episode. It starts with uh, 
were you guys shocked by this? Were you guys shocked with um, one of the one of the first scenes that we get here? We we'll talk about the action scene, but like one of the first scenes that we get is uh, Sam giving up the shield. Yeah, I was shocked by that. I, I did not expect that to be the very first scene. Agreed. I, I was very shocked by that. I mean, I think we all had the expectation leaving Endgame, and we've all been speculating that, okay, yeah, Sam's just going to be the, the next cap. And then, you know, seeing some of this, the the promos for, for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we knew that there was going to be, like, this U.S. agent angle, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't imagine it was going to be Sam – you know, just full on saying, yeah, it can't be me. We need, we need a, a real hero to do this. And, and since we don't have that, this symbol should more or less just be in the museum. It was a huge shock to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's indicative of, of the journey that we're going to see Sam go on and gaining the confidence to say, you know what? You know, the, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it's like this guy, nah, he's not it. If anybody's going to be doing this, it's going to be me. And and I hope that we see a journey in, in him gaining his confidence. I mean, we can jump around in this one. Every, I'm assuming – we're going to go over spoilers. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've, you've watched the episode on Disney+. Plus. And so, yeah, we're going to we're gonna jump into spoilers here. It's crazy. though. It's like he gives up. This is a legacy that's presented to him by the man himself. Like, I'm letting you take over the mantle. This is my legacy. I'm handing it off to you. And he doesn't feel worthy of it. But on the flip side, we've got a, we've got the same guy who's not willing to give up the legacy that his parents set before him of like the the boating business and everything. And he's dead set on fucking having that work. But on the flip side, he's so like kind of just like does not feel worthy to take up the shield. And um, did it did it did it hit you guys? Did that work? To me, I kind of think that if you look at Sam, he he's a helper. He wants to be the assist, the backup, the – I hate to use the term sidekick, but I really don't think he likes that leadership role. Um, he would rather uh, help the person who's in charge as opposed to being the person in charge. He doesn't see himself as a leader. And I, I apologize. We got Joe Stark joining on this one and we've got Jason Prevat joining on this one. Joe Stark from Starkcast and Jason Prevat from Fanning the Geekdom. I apologize. We just finished wrapping the Snyder Cut and I just feel like we're in a groove and I did not, it, it's like, oh yeah, this is a new episode. People need to know who the fuck we're talking to. So, uh, but yeah, um, have you heard this? Okay. The, the shield that Sam has now. This is not the original Cap shield. That shield was destroyed by Thanos. Yeah, this shield had to be made in whatever universe Steve went and, uh, you know, lived his life. Yeah. And uh, so he brought it back. So I'm interested in seeing, like, what that shield can do. Because if you look at it, it's got some, you know, detail to it where it looks like maybe parts come out mm-hmm. something like that uh, is it made from what's it made of yeah a lot of people are speculating it could be adamantium this time around like in the comics yeah so it'll be interesting to see uh, if all of that plays up but yeah definitely not the shield from this universe and just the fact too that it's a shield from another timeline another reality could that come into play down the line mm-hmm. um does cause a disturbance because you know you think back to uh the stones being moved from different realities and causing chaos you know um, don't want to speculate too much but could we see something with the 
time department from Loki uh, and say, whoa, we need to move this shield back to where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jake, I got a question for you. What did you think about the action scene? Lay it scene? on me. <laughs> the, question, the, the action scene at the beginning. Um, I don't know. Like, how were you guys watching this? Were you just taking this mission for what it was? Like, you know, we've got this... Uh, you know, we got Sam in this mission. He's got a, you know, there's this uh, hijack of this plane and he's got to save this captain from, you know, being sent over to Libya. I mean, it. it I didn't. Ha- the, the action was fine. I, the action was good, but I had no story or emotional connection to what was going on. It was just an interesting action sequence. Like I did feel very disconnected from what the crux of what is going on is. It was just like, Oh, we have to take it down before it gets to the Libya border or we won't be able to take it down and it will start shooting at us. And there really wasn't any stakes that I got caught up into. I I thought it looked very nice, but I, I wish it would have been a little bit more like, thought behind getting me feeling the action i think okay and maybe this is just like this this conspiracy theory that is all in my head and it felt like what was weird about this episode not weird but like we saw at you know in in this episode when um when sam gives up the shield the one like like uh the the government guy is like you made the right decision son blah 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 and it was almost like that's what they wanted. They wanted that anyway because, like, at that like at the end of the episode, they're handing that shield over to like the next cap. Okay, and this it just feels like they're setting Sam up to fail here. It feels yes. like like he goes on this solo mission, and I mean, it feels like I don't know. It feels like there's certain times where Sam it doesn't. If you watch this, these scenes through a different lens of Sam not fully trusting other people and us not being able to trust everybody that he is around when it comes to the military, I got a completely different feel if you just watch this as it's presented to you. Like we are introduced to Torres, who's like his guy on the ground and seems like it, you know, he's working with Sam. But if you watch it through this lens of like, can we trust the government? Can we trust what the government is doing with Sam? Can we trust this mission? Like they send him on a solo mission here. No backup really, except for the guys on the ground. He's, it's basically a mission where they try to like, it feels like they set him up to fail he gets there the hijack has already started and you know he was told that they're like they didn't see anybody enter that plane the hijack has already started the pilot is dead and he's trying to save this captain for reasons unknown then we find out that batrock is there the last time we saw this guy was in captain america the winter soldier remember this guy's a fucking what is his purpose why is he there this guy was hired by nick fury to hijack the Lumerian star as a cover to uncover classified information regarding Project Insight. This guy is a pirate. He's a mercenary. Why does he care about basically kidnapping this captain? It feels like if this is a guy, a pirate, a mercenary that's for hire, did, did the government set all this up so that Sam would fail? So that Sam would not be able to get him. So Sam would fail. So people would lose faith in the Avengers. Sam would lose faith in himself. It just seems, 
it just seems like he was hired to leave this mission that, you know, um, I mean, when, when Batrock was hired by Nick Fury, it was to keep Captain America in the dark about the government. Maybe, maybe he was hired by the government here to make Sam look bad so that he just gives up the shield and stops being a hero. I don't know. I felt very weird about this whole mission that they sent Sam on. What about Joe? It sounds like you. Dude. Yeah, dude. I, I agree with you. I, I think that Sam is getting set up to fail. And, and furthermore, I think it's because if Thunderbolt Ross is somehow have something to do with this, Thunderbolt Ross does not want. Okay, think about how embarrassed the United States government was during the events of Civil War when Captain America was like, fuck you, United States government. And not only that, he <laughs> came back and was a big hero. I mean, in, in, when, when, when War Machine and Sam are, are walking through that area and it's kind of, you know, it's showing that stuff from the Cap Museum. And then it's also added in a lot more of the, the history from, from Infinity War and Endgame, saying that, you know, Cap and, and, a, and a band of his friends, you know, went into hiding. They didn't agree with the Accords. But, you know, when, when the time came and the, and the Earth was under threat again, you know, the Avengers reformed and then, you know, all was forgiven with, with, with Captain America and his friends because they came out and saved the world. But how does Thunderbolt Ross still think of, feel about that? How does the United States government still feel about that? And then they're going to let this guy, Steve Rogers, who spit in their face, then hand off the mantle to his number one, you know, as they would see it, probably his number one lackey. They're, they're not going to abide that. At the end, Captain America needs to be a symbol for the government. And I think that's what they're trying to do, you know, with well, this, they used you know, him as a store version of Cap that we get at the end. It's it's not only yeah. not Sam. It's somebody that, you know, they picked. The, the, this guy's going to do what they tell him to. This isn't somebody who has a history of saying, no, fuck you and your rules. We're going to go off and, and follow our own conscience. That's the last thing that these guys want. You know, they want a puppet. And so I, I think yeah, it plays right into liquor it. Cap. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it plays right into the it's a it's a smear fest or, you know, a smear campaign against Sam. Like, and there's a lot of stuff pointing to that. The last time that we saw Thunderbolt Ross was like he was wasn't he like a, he was high up in the government the last time we saw him and secretary of state, secretary of state. Could at this point in time they've mentioned the president. Could he be president? It's possible. I mean, could he be the president pulling all the strings here? And it, I mean, we've got like in this episode, we've got people that are, you know, we see the flag smasher, the one, who we think is the leader of the flag smasher. It's like what they're alluding to. I don't think I, I still think that that's somebody completely different that we haven't met yet. But this person has super abilities. We see how they fight and how powerful they are. And it's almost like they've been um, injected with a version of the super uh, soldier serum and we know back in phase one ross thunderbolt ross was trying to reboot the super soldier program and in the winter soldier we find out that there's other strains of the formula um and maybe ross and I know we're getting we're get back into conspiracy theories here. All these different theories. We just went from one show where we had all these theories with WandaVision to like a new show where we're going to be building new theories. But is Ross trying to build his own replacement Avengers team with the Thunderbolts, possibly trying to make the the Avengers look bad? And I mean, because 
there's a lot to unpack here and there's a lot to really unpack when it comes to like even like the ending credits. There's a lot of imagery in the ending credits. I mean, pictures that pop up and I was sending you guys screenshots of this shit all day. Joe, I sent you the one that said, um, oh, um, it was like, uh, we can't trust individual. What was it? We can't trust. We can't trust powered individuals. Yes. And it, it, for me is like, is that okay? So we see a flash of that in the credits and is that government propaganda that they've created to make people not trust people with, you know, powers and, and only to trust, you know, who the government is entrusting these powers with. Yeah. And then there was that other note saying the all information regarding the enhanced humans act has been reported to classified by major Donovan of special unit. Right. And that came directly from Thaddeus Ross. Yes. And so, I mean, the government definitely has their fingers in lots of stuff. And then, yeah, seeing that whoever that powered guy was with the, you know, with the flag smashers, I mean, that guy's definitely powered. I mean, you don't just toss people. You don't jump out of a. I mean, didn't he jump out of a second story window? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah that's where you get introduced to him. Yeah, he, yeah he, you don't do that unless you had super soldiers. And <laughs> two, two of those duffel bags full of cash uh, that he stole from that Swiss bank. Yeah. What's all that money for? Well, do, I mean, do we think the flag smashers are working? Because I think we're going to have two different groups of bad guys, so to say. I think we're going to have whatever group that Baron Zemo is going to be putting together. Mm-hmm. And then I think we're going to have uh, a U.S. political group. Um, and I'm not sure what side the flag smashers is going to be on. Um, because, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, the person who's handing out the mask is actual, the, the comic book character flag smasher. It's a gender role swap, but, uh, it's being played by, uh, Aaron Kellyman, uh, who was, uh, Emphis Ness in the solo movie. Right. Yeah. And she's playing, uh, Carly, uh, uh, was it Morgenthau? And in the comics, the original Flag Smasher person was Carl uh, Morgenthau. So I think she might be the leader of the Flag Smashers, but you're talking about your post-credit, or the end credits you see about the power brokers, and you see the blue vowel there, and you know that they're trying to make another Captain America, and we kind of see that at the end. Um, and maybe this group, the Flag Smashers, is working with our government to try to um, be, a, you know, to, to power superheroes. They're maybe testing it on people in this group. Um, I, I'm just interested in seeing... Um, if you know who's pulling what strings, um, because I'm, I'm not sure if the flag smashers are going to be the the Baron Zemo group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think they're going to be the kind of the keep the unrest U.S. group to keep the right people in power in the U.S. The reason we need superheroes 
I think the um, the image you saw about the don't trust or we don't need super powered people or whatever, I think that's going to be the Baron Zemo group. I think Baron Zemo is going to be the one who's running an organization that wants to get rid of super powered people. Interesting. Interesting. I, I mean, yeah, because like I kept thinking to myself, like it says, you know, we see at the end credits, we see Power Broker is watching and then. I, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, we know that that in the comics there was a character named Power Broker who hired um, a scientist. What was his name? Malice to basically um, make this uh, super soldier serum. Correct? Yeah, that's right. So, like, from my understanding, it's been a long time since I read like the U.S. agent Captain America run with Johnny Walker that we see at the end, like, he started off as, like, getting the serum, the, the super soldier equivalent serum from the power broker, I believe. And then they started experimenting on wrestlers, and that's where we got U.S. agent. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He was a wrestler, and then um, he ended up, you know, Captain America – got frustrated and left, went, became nomad or whatever. And, um, you know, he took over the mantle. So, you know, it's, it would make sense that, you know, if Ross is looking for a new captain America, they didn't want, um, Falcon because they didn't trust him because of his connection with Steve and all of that stuff that, you know, maybe the power broker group, is the one that is um, running the super soldier serum. So, um, you know, to kind of equate it to the boys, maybe it's the vault uh, of all industries of superheroes in the boys. Mm. Maybe this is the Marvel version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll get back to, we're jumping way into these theories and these theories can get, we can get lost in the weeds with some of these. So let's get, actually just get back to the actual story here of, of what happened in this episode. We're introduced to um, Torres. Uh, and what did you, I want to know what you guys thought about Joaquin Torres in this. It's the guy that was on the ground that was working with Sam and they have like, it looks like they have a friendly relationship, you know, after the whole, you know, Batrock kidnapping of that captain and everything is like kind of settled. They're in Tunisia, they're drinking tea together and we've got Falcon and he's doing some repairs on Red Wing, which honestly, Red Wing was pretty awesome in that sequence. Now, now Sam can basically um, give Red Wing uh, commands and Red Ring will go out and do as as Sam says. I, I thought that that was very cool. I think the Red Wing works a lot better than if they had a real bird like they do in the comics. So, <laughs> without I'm, a doubt, I'm totally fine with yeah, that. Yeah, be very silly. But what did you guys, Jake? What did you think about Torres? I thought it was an interesting character. I could see how they could be making him seem like their buddy buddy, and he's actually in on some kind of conspiracy to kind of keep Sam, you know, keep abreast of what he's up to, make sure he doesn't get involved or get his nose into things that they don't want him to get their nose, his nose into. Like I could see this character doing a double turn. I got the same feeling here. It's like he, he comes off as super nice, but when we first meet him, he's trying, he wants to tinker with Red Wing 
And it's like, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to tinker with this? And then he's always filming Sam and like Sam uses Arabic and he's like, oh, can I get you doing that again? And it's like, it's like he's keeping tabs on Sam. It's really odd. Yes. See, I see it a little different because I see him as just a fanboy. I just see him as like, I think if they're trying to sabotage Sam, put this fanboy who looks out of his depth out there and, you know, it's because, you know, he's sitting there and he's cheering at the end when Sam wins. Like he, Sam can't see him. He's not having to pretend or, 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 be somebody he's not when that happened. So why would he do that? He was not truly on Sam's side or a fanboy. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about that scene, Jason, is that I feel like there's a lot of of stuff in there that supports what Brian and Jake are saying that that maybe you know, maybe he is just kind of lying in wait. Maybe, maybe even he's like the next stooge that the government wants to prop up as the next Falcon. They want to see Sam fail so that they can take that Falcon. You know, have a good reason to give it to this new guy. But the scene with the flag smashers leads me to believe that no, he's trying to pr- impress Sam and maybe he's going to go and try and get himself tangled up in it again. And they're going to, you know, capture him and maybe they'll experiment on him. And then we'll see Torres get some sort of powers. Right, um, because he's in the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A la, a la his character in the comics. Yeah, exactly. But there's this really weird scene where, and maybe it is just fanboy. Maybe I'm reading it the, you know, I'm, I, I can read it both ways where he is a fanboy, but I can also read there's a scene where he's like, so, you know, tell me about Steve. You know, there's rumors like, why does he want to know where Steve's at? You know, it's like, is, is that the, is that the government basically, you know, that maybe tricking this kid, this young guy into, you know, keep tabs on him. Just keep tabs on Sam. We're worried about him, you know, and this kid is just so naive, but he's asking these questions about like, where is Steve? And it's almost like, you know, if somebody is putting him up to this, it's like they're worried about where the real Captain America is at this moment. They're talking about him being on the moon. And we do know that Nick Fury is out there in outer space and he's looking down and everything. But, you know, we know that Captain America is not on the moon. He's just retired, you know, and uh, it just seemed weird that he really wanted to know where Steve Rogers was. And I don't know, maybe there's maybe there's somebody in the government that's putting him up to these things. But but if you're with, you know, Steve Rogers, best friend, wouldn't you want to ask that question? And also yeah. the question just seems silly enough to where it was like, okay, yeah, this is this is coming from like the fanboy side. Like, oh, we think he's on the moon. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was possibly like a little bit of a nod to DC Comics and the Justice League having their headquarters on the moon in the comic books. That it was just kind of making fun of comic book culture a little bit. I think it is actually a reference to Secret Sin where Nick Fury – was actually an old man because he lost his uh, serum, and he was stationed on the moon garden, um, the Earth. And that's where the Winter Soldier ended up going to protect Earth for an arc. Oh, okay. 
The Flag Smashers, uh, we get Torres basically talking about how the Flag Smashers, this group, thinks that the world was better during the blip. And they want a world unified without borders. And so we get a little bit of backstory about who these Flag Smashers are, which is good because, you know, um, it's a new group. Uh, we really don't know what, you know, we really don't know a lot about them. And Sam just coming back from the blip six months later really doesn't know a lot about them. And this takes place, like I said, it takes place, um, six months after the events of everyone coming back after the events of Endgame. Cause he, uh, Sam says, I've been working with the Air Force for six months now. So this is six months after Endgame and it's five months after the event that happened in Westview in WandaVision. Um, so this is set in April of 2023. So this is actually two months before Spider-Man Far From Home. So that's where we are in the timeline here. Okay. I was wondering exactly where we were in the Marvel timeline. Yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. Even though it takes place after WandaVision, no. I doubt there's going to be much connection between the two shows. I agree. Well, they've they've already come out and said that um, this show. Let me read this. This is from Dark Horizons. The six episode series picks up after the events of Avengers Endgame with Sam Wilson deciding whether or not he's ready to step into the role of Captain America and teaming up with Bucky Barnes to take on a new threat. Speaking with Entertainment Weekly this week, showrunner Malcolm Spellman was asked if the series might lead into future films and possible new seasons of the show. He revealed that he can think of three projects in the future that directly tie into this series, but he's not allowed to talk about which ones. Marvel chief Kevin Feige adds talk that talking about future seasons and appearances for these characters and other works goes into the spoiler realm. We have a future charted for characters post Falcon and winter soldier, but I don't want to say much more than that. So it's going to connect with three other projects. I'm guessing it's going to connect. We saw Rhodey, So it'll probably connect with armor wars. Secret invasion. Wouldn't be a bad guess. Probably here. True. And then maybe, maybe black widow. I could see that there's a, a little bit of the mythology tied in with that, with the government controlling people. And- well, and even in the end credits, there's like a thing that talked about like a masked, person um causing havoc or something in in Prague and that could either be Zemo or it could be Taskmaster. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I I doubt it. I mean, if it's Black Widow, it would be it's not going to pick up on threads Black Widow leaves off probably, right? Since we haven't even been able to see that movie yet. Mhm. Or, or maybe that doesn't matter. Well, and also with that one taking place so far in the past, you think it wouldn't have too much. I mean, other than maybe having characters carry through, you think it wouldn't have too many direct ramifications because isn't that taking place like in between Winter Soldier or is or or is it after Civil War that that one's taking place? It takes place in between um, Civil War and Infinity War and uh, like. I don't think so because I don't think it'll, it sh- I don't think it'll tie in to be quite honest with you just for the mere fact that Black Widow is supposed to come out last year and this comes out after. I don't know. And we haven't, it just doesn't make sense to show us anything from Black Widow in this movie if we haven't even seen the movie yet. 
Yeah, you think they would have delayed this project if it was that big of a continuation mm-hmm. on the plot thread there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think something we we maybe should learn from too with one division is maybe it's not tied into as much stuff as we think it is because one division we were looking for Mephisto and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it it was a great series, loved the series, but you know at the end of the day. It set up a little bit of stuff at the end, but for the most part, it was a self-contained story. Maybe the other, maybe the other thing is She-Hulk, because we know that Abomination shows up in that show. Abomination got basically like a version of like this super soldier serum from Thaddeus Ross, right? Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, so maybe, and we know that Abomination is going to be in that She-Hulk show. Maybe, maybe there's a connection to the She-Hulk series. I like that. And I could see, I mean, they knew all these TV shows, like they kind of gave us the announcement of all these shows at once. So I got to imagine when they were writing them, they liked their connective tissues. They probably put a lot of them within all these different TV shows because they all kind of seemed like they were incepted at the same time. But maybe some of these shows just – maybe these shows are disconnected to the other shows, not so much the movies, right? Yeah, I hope that's not the case. Like half the fun of doing this is – finally connecting a TV show to the greater movie universe. So no, I agree. I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. 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 It's my impression that these were all, you know, part of phase four. And so I, I think in some sort of way, there needs to be some sort of connective thread that'll go between them all. Just like what we've seen in the other phases, you know, we, we may not see the entire thrust of something, you know, be to, to, to spread things out, but you know, kind of like what we got at the end of WandaVision there. Or just a little bit of a setup for the next thing. And then that really falls in line where, you know, even though, we, though we're seeing it as a TV series, it still falls in line, you know, with with the general thrust of what they did in the previous phases. Yeah. I actually heard the rumor that, like, the scene that we saw at the end of WandaVision where, like, she's, you know, uh, you know, uh, got her own place, you know, um, far away in the in the in the in the mountains and everything like that was one of the first scenes we're going to see in doctor strange and the multiverse of madness but i don't know if that's true or not that's just a rumor that i've heard i don't know if i put too much stock in it (laughs) no it it would seem weird to open a doctor strange movie with what's going on with wanda yeah i guess depending on what the plot is but anymore i i feel like with with all the the speculating in in all the seemingly false you know breadcrumb trails that they laid in wandavision i'm almost a little gun shy <laughs> like like i still want to just dive in feet first and, and speculate on everything but there's a part of me that's like kind of holding back on this one oh true I'm like oh yeah. let's let's kind of wait especially with all the stuff they tease to us the, all the imagery in those end credits. Oh my God. There's so much. There's, there's so, so much. much there. And it's, it's like, okay, how much of this is just, they're just throwing in for the sake of Easter eggs. How much of it is, is, you know, laying down false trails and how much of this is real. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we got burned by that shit in WandaVision too. I mean, like mm-hmm. with the grim reaper helmet silhouette stuff and like, just cause it's in an end or title sequence we've learned doesn't necessarily mean shit potentially. That's very true. <laughs> Let's get caught up with our characters here. I mean, we've got Sam who is 
basically, like we said, we, he's given up the mantle here and he gives the shield to the Smithsonian. And, um, and he's also got, he's been gone for five years and he's finding out that, you know, the family business is going under and his sister's wanting to sell and sell the house and all this stuff. And he's not willing to let it go. And, uh, we get the scene at the bank where he's trying to get the loan, the business loan. And oh my God, this fucking banker that he's talking with just drove me nuts wanting to get that selfie after he's turning him down for the loan. Oh my God. <laughs> and asking him to do something stupid on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> Spread you your arms. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I felt so bad for his sister. You kind of could tell right away that this was going to go bad like the second he was like fawning over falcon i'm like oh this is just going to make it hurt so much more when this loan gets denied like uh you didn't want it to happen but you could really feel that it was going to happen when she said that she was a widow i kept thinking to myself oh my god if we find out that the winter soldier killed her husband i'm going to lose my shit jesus christ (laughs) how many people has this guy killed i didn't even consider that that'd be wild (laughs) One thing that bummed me out about this first episode is one of the things I've been most looking forward to is the like the wordplay and getting Winter Soldier and Falcon together in the same scene. I, I was sad that we really couldn't achieve that a little bit quicker. Yeah, I know a lot of people are upset by that, that we didn't get them together. But we kind of needed to see where they were apart, right? For this That's episode? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I still wish there was a way, like, at least by the end of the episode, we could get them in the same room together. We'll be, they'll be brought together. I just think this episode really needed to set the, like, the tone and let us know where these guys are apart now. How, how are both of these guys handling, you know, coming back, uh, you know, after being gone for five years? And we, we see, you know, we've got Sam dealing with, you know, the family stuff, his sister, the business, trying to keep that afloat. We've got Bucky who was like recently pardoned and he's doing this government mandated therapy with, I love the therapist. I think she yes. is amazing. She was once a soldier and I think she's great. She calls him on his bullshit and I fucking love it. I love that whole scene where he's talking about like the, you know, making amends and the <laughs> way, and the way he's got like the three rules and he's making amends. And I thought that that was just brilliantly played out the way that he's explaining to her how he made amends with this woman. And then we actually see what happened. <laughs> and I just thought that, that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I thought that was actually one of the best parts of the episode. Um, I just thought that I really enjoyed the Bucky stuff. The Bucky stuff was great, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. everything from his, um, you know, uh, the, the therapy session. I love that the fact that like, she's like, what do you want now? What do you want now that you don't have to fight anymore? And he's like, peace. And she's like, she's like, she basically says bullshit, you know, come on. Yeah. Give me a break. Give me a fucking break. I loved it. I thought that that was fantastic. And I love the, um, uh, we get the scene, the, we get the flashback. It's actually a nightmare that he's having of him killing, uh, someone. Uh, what was the name of that character? Um, well, yeah, he oh, like kills all the, the people he was supposed to kill, and then there was just the kid or the guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yori's son. Yeah, Yori's son. Yori's son. Yeah, yeah. He hey, kills uh, RJ. 
Uh, we got, we got a first and a last name for that character. I just cannot remember who what his I, what I'm, his name was. I'm not but. remembering. I did you catch at the beginning of that flashback scene? Um, it's really easy to miss, but it, it's when they're panning through the lobby of that hotel and it's showing that ornate ceiling up above. You can see Bucky's shadow walking across that skylight. Really. It's oh, wow. ghostly. It's really, really cool. It's like a blink and you miss it, but it's really ghostly, especially then, you know, when, when just a little bit later you see his, you know, his his um, metal arm come busting through the wall to grab that guy. And were you guys thrown by that for a moment or, or right away were you just like, oh, this is some sort of flashback? Because for me, his arm gave it away. The fact that the star was on it. And it's like, wait a minute. The last time we saw him, he had a Wakanda tech on. Right. Yeah. It's got to be a flashback. It, yeah, I thought it was a flashback right away. And then I was like, well, maybe that didn't really happen because they revealed it to be a nightmare. But then by the end of the episode, you're like, well, obviously, those are actual things that happened to him. Seeing how he reacted to finding out about the death. So the fact that. He killed this guy, Yori's son, and we're introduced to Yori later in the episode. I thought that that was super powerful, mm-hmm. super powerful that he's the, you know, he's befriended this guy. And it made me think of, um, of, uh, born on the 4th of July with Tom Cruise. There's a scene in that movie where Tom Cruise is in, he's, you know, he's fighting in Vietnam and things are crazy and he, it's friendly fire. He kills one of uh, his fellow soldiers. And later on in that movie, he goes and he tries to make amends with the family. And he tells them, like, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of confusion. And uh, I think I killed your I think I killed your son. And he's like talking to the family and he's talking to like the the woman that carried this guy, this soldier's baby. And it made me think of, of Born on the Fourth of July and like how that's what what, you know, Bucky is struggling with right now. He's like, instead of basically just telling this guy that, yes, it was me, uh, I was brainwashed and blah, blah, blah. He's just kind of like made himself. He's trying to basically say he's sorry by trying to make this guy's life better and be his friend. And he's just terrified to tell him the truth. And we see that when he got, he's out on that date with that woman that you already set up for him, where he just, he just gets up and leaves the date when she's talking about, you know, I think it's great what you're doing for Yori and talking about how, you know, how he lost his son and he, he's never going to know. And that, that, that kind of, it really hurts him that he never really is going to know how his son died. And Bucky's holding on to this guilt and Bucky just leaves the date and goes to tell Yori. He just can't do it. I just felt like that was super heartbreaking. See, I was confused. I thought that Bucky found out right then and there. No, 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 no. And that's why when he saw the picture, when he opened the door, it kind of confirmed it to be true. No, if you go back and you watch Captain America, the Winter Soldier, there's a scene where Iron Man is fighting Bucky and he's got him like in a headlock. And he and and Iron Man says something like, um, do you even do you even remember the people that you killed? And Bucky says, I remember them all. Yeah. Okay. That makes much more sense. Yeah. I thought he was like running away from the date to find out whether or not that was really his son, but he was just so shocked about like thinking about it again that he had to go check on his friend. It brought up the guilt. Her talking about it brought up the guilt and he had to get out of there. He just had to get out of there. I think he went to Yori's house. I think he was going to confess. And then when he opened the door and saw the shrine in the picture, 
and saw his friend standing there, he was like, I, I can't. I can't do it. And, and it makes it even more gutting that we're going to get that scene at some point in this season with him coming clean to that guy. And it's oh, it's going to be gutting. To well, watch. if you Jake, uh, Jake, um, the, the book of amends that he has, it had 12 names on the first page. And if you look in the second page, if you zoom in on that, the number 13 is Yori. Okay, that makes sense. Why would he have the name written down if he didn't already know what he did? He knew what he did. He remembers them all. Yes. Yeah, I I guess I was just an idiot during that scene. I completely misinterpreted that. No, I mean, there's a, I mean, man, we're talking about the 23 movies or whatever in this, and it's like trying to remember everything and then like trying to like zoom in on all this stuff. It's, it's a lot to remember, but yeah, he remembers everybody he kills. That's the, that's the fucked up thing that he's got to deal with is he, he remembers everybody that he killed when he was the winter soldier. That makes a lot more sense. Man, it, it just makes him such a compelling, tortured character. The, the fact that he had no control over being able to do these heinous things that, you know, are so outside of his character, but then having to live with the fact that not only did he do them, but he has to remember it all. And, and, and it's haunting him. And the only way that he feels like he's going to be able to go through it is to go and, and, and make amends. And, you know, the ones like the Senator, you know, those ones are great, but how many Yoris are on that list? Oh, it's, 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 I really, I, I know they're fictional characters, but man, I, I just really feel for him. And they did such a good job portraying that struggle in this. Yeah, he could, he could have like his own like My Name is Earl series where he goes through. <laughs> I've seen that meme actually where they've changed the My Name is Earl cover to have Bucky on it. Really? I didn't, <laughs> I haven't even seen that. <laughs> yes, yes, that meme is out there. Oh, that's hilarious, man. Yeah, I used to watch that for the first couple seasons, to be honest with you. Yeah, me as well, me as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, Torres investigates this other terrorist group. He promised Sam that he wouldn't make any major moves without him, and he throws that out the fucking window and goes alone to this flag smashers meetup, not even knowing really what's going to happen there and uh, gets his ass handed to him. Like I honestly thought for a moment, there was a moment where he, he could die here. I thought he was going to, I thought he might get killed in this moment. I mean, yeah, I can't believe he didn't get his head split open. I mean, he said he got a broken orbitable. Right. Ugh. And we got a moment of silence. <laughs> uh you know before you know before we jump into this anymore i, I honestly just kind of like we haven't even rated this thing and i'm super curious as to like what your guys ratings are going to be on this episode did you want to wait to the end or you want to rate it now oh, let's rate this shit all right here's our rating system the rating system is simple if the leftovers don't like something they toss it if they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Uh, Jason, what would you think about this one as, as an overall rating on the first episode? So, I really have to give it a taste it. Um, I thought the... It was great Marvel as far as the way it looked and everything, but just 
coming off of WandaVision, um, coming off the Snyder Cut, and then watching this, it was um, it was really hard to say that, oh, this is outstanding. Um, it's Which, a uh, taste it for Marvel is probably a Tupperware for a lot of other things, but yeah, for me, it was just uh, a taste it right now. Uh, Joe, what'd you think? This is a high taste it for me. I, I feel like this episode was it, it did a really good job of setting up the pieces and and giving us a really good idea of where the characters are, you know, both, you know, in in kind of what they're doing in their day to day lives, but also, you know, where they are emotionally. And it did a good job setting up kind of what the villain's going to be. And then, you know, the, the way they dropped that <laughs> the, the new cap reveal at the end was, you know, it, it was a pretty good clincher. It, um, this wasn't. I, I just feel like there are moments in this episode where it felt like it kind of drug on a bit. Um, I love the opening action sequence. It was so good. Um, that was amazing stuff. And with all the, the wingsuits and then just flying and popping in from helicopter to helicopter. I mean, all of that was good. Um, it, it looked really good. I, this was a great episode, but for, I, I just, I don't think it's good enough to quite give a Tupperware to. Um, so it's, it's a firm high taste for me. Yeah, I'll piggyback off that real quick. I'll give it a high taste as well. And I, I think it's like a lot of the Bucky stuff worked for me really well. I thought his story was really intriguing, like what he's going through. And then I think like that big, you know, kind of like gut punch at the end with Sam seeing that there's a, a new Captain America. We all knew it was happening, but just kind of like the way it happened. Like he's finding out first, like nobody came to him and said, this is what we're doing. It's like, He's finding out about it, like in a press conference on TV. And, uh, it was, you know, we got this new cap who comes out there and we see him and, uh, he's got a gun. Did you guys notice that he had a gun? Yeah. Yes. And I was just like, okay, yeah, Cap's had a gun in the past. We saw Cap in the first Avenger with a gun, but like he hasn't had a gun since, since he'd been to war. He's always just used the shield. And now we got U.S. agent here with a gun. And, uh, it's just, yeah, it was, there was something just super shitty about that, what the government is doing, uh, to, to Sam here and to the American public. Um, Jake, what, I'll give it a, I'll give it a, a high taste it. Uh, Jake, what did you think? I'm right there with you and Joe, Brian. I, I'm right there at a high taste it. I thought it was very strong, but I, I expect that it's going to get better more intense this just felt like a really really good setup episode Mm -hmm. and didn't have just enough meat yet for me to give it a tupperware i think we need to see the two together we do need to see the two together and then i i want i want daniel brule i want zemo in there you know i think a lot more is going to open up in the show when we get daniel brule back as zemo you know fully masked i i want to see that it just wasn't quite there for me yeah and like if you do compare it to WandaVision, and I know it's comparing like apples to oranges, they're completely different. I just didn't, I love that fucking first episode of WandaVision. And uh, this just is, this is good, but it's just not quite there yet for me. Yeah. And I, it's, I guess it's not fair, but I think of the first two episodes of WandaVision almost as one and the same since they released them both on the same day and I watched them both back to back. So, and I just, yeah, I just love those so much more 
than this. It was like, I know a lot of people thought those were set up episodes, but, but to me, it just really immediately started the intrigue and the speculation, which with all the crazy stuff going on in that episode where this just felt purely like an hour of setup. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. It's, it feels like this, yeah, this, this first, I know that the first two episodes of WandaVision left most people wanting more. I was very satisfied with the first two episodes, but I feel like I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum that I felt like I wanted more out of this after the first episode than what I got. Yeah, I really thought with as long as this episode was going to be that we were either going to get Zemo, that we were going to get Bucky and Falcon in the same scene together. I was just a little bit taken aback by how much story setup we were doing with the plot line with him and his sister and then just Bucky going on a date. It just felt a lot more meandering. They had, they had a lot to do though, that they had to address. They had to get these characters like, well, how have they been dealing with coming back from, you know, the blip? How are they dealing with it on their own? They had to do that. They had to deal with the fact that like, what, what, you know, these guys are coming back after five years. What's that like for, for them to come back? And, and, you know, with Sam, he hasn't had any financials coming in. He hasn't had any money coming in for five years. They had to do that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, was it really that exciting? No, it, it was a little meandering at times. And they didn't sell the mystery well. Um, you know, with with WandaVision, you really had the mystery. Like, those first two episodes, you're like, what's going on here? You know, what is this? Um, with this one, I mean, it just kind of felt standard Marvel. Okay. You know, there's bad organization. You know, it felt like the stuff that we've seen in Civil War or Winter Soldier. Okay, the there's some corruption somewhere and, um, you know, we've got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, so not that I wasn't impressed with it. I mean, you know, visually it was great and the acting was well, just the story, the story just didn't drive me to, you know, say, Oh yeah, this is great. Marvel. It was good. Marvel. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like there was more speculation and like, discussion about like what's going forward in the series by watching the end credits and all the teases that they had there than there were in the actual episode. I mean, we've got in the, in the end credits, we see, you know, that picture of like that monkey and it's possibly teasing the, you know, the brass bar in Madripoor, which, you know, it's a fictional Island in the comic books. And we know that there, I think it was Murphy's multiverse had shown off a bunch of like shots of, uh, you know, uh, what they, what they think is the brass monkey saloon and, and it's a place where all these criminals hang out. Is that where we're going to finally meet Zemo? I don't know. And then we got this photo, this quick photo of subject zero six, two, five, six. And then if you see, there's a picture of a man and it's the actor of, uh, Carl Lumley. And you guys will remember him. If you did watch Supergirl, uh, he was in Supergirl. And in this, people are speculating that he might be Isaiah Bradley, the first African-American Captain America, when they were using the super soldier serum on um, on black people um, before they tested it on um, Steve Rogers. And it was part of a whole comic book, uh, 2003 miniseries, Truth, Red, White and Black. And um, so that I think we are definitely going to be seeing that. 
Um, Carl Lumley is in the cast, so we will be seeing that. I think that we will find out that they that they were testing, you know, on on black soldiers. I think that'll be interesting to see. But I felt like there was just more teases in the end credits of things that could happen or couldn't happen than there was in the actual episode. Yeah, I, I think in terms of like the way they laid out the story, like this first episode, it almost felt akin to like a zero issue of a comic book. You know, that that would be, you know, we're telling an existing story and now we're going to go in a new direction. But first, we're going to give you a zero issue that kind of sets up where the characters are at. And then on issue one, we're going to get into it and tell you a story that's going to immediately, you know, hook you. And, you know, they kind of had to play double duty with that. I mean, there was just a lot of setup in this and in and Jake with what you were saying that it felt like with an episode this long we we would have got more out of it um i mean and it did do a really good job of setting up you know where where the characters are at emotionally and stuff like that but it doesn't make for the most riveting television except especially in a, a first episode but man that action scene they gave us at the opening sure was fantastic yeah it was very bond movie like to have such a big epic action sequence just Boom, right off the gate. That's kind of the feeling I got from it. Where did that plane on autopilot end up? It's a very good question. <laughs> I mean, did, it, did it make it to the Libyan airspace? I think it might have. Or, or did it explode? Did it get hit with a missile or something like that, maybe? <laughs> they just all jumped out of it and just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Doc Brown was on that plane, and he's like the Libyans. The Libyans. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> we got an email here, and this is from Jerry in Niceville, and he says, "Hey guys, this episode was a good start. Good action sequences in the beginning. Marvel is doing a great story setup, background for life after the blip. How businesses would be affected if everyone came back." Count on the United States government to mess up the legend of Captain America, the Flag Smashers, mutants, super soldiers, aliens, or all of the above. I don't, I'm not putting too much stock in mutants in this. No, I don't think they're aliens either. I think they're just a radical group. Well, they definitely have access to super soldier serum, I believe. And I mean, are they powered by, are they, are they funded by the power broker who they teased in the, in the, in the post credits art imagery? I don't know. Um, the director of the series mentions that, uh, truth, Captain America. Oh yeah. The director of the series mentions that truth, Captain America comic plays a part in this show. Is that anybody, oh, awesome. uh, have you read that Jake? Oh, that's not the one about Isaiah. Uh, I I read the title of that one and I lost it. Um, race will play a big part in this series. After WandaVision, I'm not letting my burden of knowledge comics ruin this show. And that comes from Jerry. So, yeah, truth, red, white, and black. Yeah, that's the that's the same comic okay. that you were talking about already. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, I 100% agree with that. Then, yeah, yeah. Me as well. Me as well. Is there a Young Avengers on the docket? Didn't they address that? It's at least been speculated. If it's not set in stone yet, I know it's been speculated a lot in the fan base recently. Because I could see if they're doing the Bradley stuff, then uh, his, was it grandson, uh, ends up being someone named Patriot? Yes. Yeah, Super Patriot. 
And, and then you have the twins from WandaVision. Yeah. I mean, they could be. And you, we know, well, um, Mar- Miss Marvel, she's going to be in something, isn't she? Her own show. Oh, sure. Her own and show, yeah. yeah. So, so it, it almost sounds like that they're slowly building a uh, Young Avengers on the Mark Disney Plus shows. That could be the fifth Avengers movie. It could be Young Avengers. Yeah, I could see that. Um, it, I have a question. Um, is the director of this show directing all the episodes, just like how it worked in WandaVision? Yeah, that's the that's the, kind of like the formula that they're going with on these series. Hmm, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that that's what they're going to do with all of them. They're going to have like one director do this. I know when they talked with Matt Shackman... I think it was Kevin Smith talked to him on Fat Man Beyond. He was like, he's like, I'm glad I said yes, but he did not understand the huge undertaking that he took with it. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like how difficult it was. I think that he had, he probably had a harder time on that series than I think this director, Carrie Scoglin's going to have on this. Cause I mean, each episode of WandaVision felt like it was a completely different thing because it was like oh yeah it was like directing uh-huh. five different shows yeah yeah and you had to be you know like they had to make it of that time and every set that they worked with was completely different i just feel like it was so much harder for matt shackman than it would be for carrie scrogland doing this series so maybe it won't... Sure. probably a bit more action choreography going on in falcon and winter soldier but yes it's like you're just doing the same project across the whole thing yeah it's definitely not as taxing you know i mean so mm-hmm. But it is, it's a big project. We're thinking, you know, we're talking like each episode's 50 minutes to an hour. So it's like a, gonna be close to like five plus hours of doing this. So it's like double the size of a Marvel movie. So it is, it's a big project, but I am glad they're sticking with one director. It's like when they hand this stuff off, it can just, you know, I know the first director sets the tone and all that stuff, but it's just nice to have one person in there handling this. Yeah. It just makes everything like synchronized so much better. I agree. How wild would it be if they do do the Young Avengers storyline as a movie if, like the comic book, their leader was freaking Kang from an alternate reality? Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I've never read any Young Avengers stuff. Is there any source material that's, like, particularly good that should be sought out? I'll point you to exactly what you should read. Um, Alan Heinberg did the initial run, and it is fantastic. Excellent. Thank you. I'll look that up on Comixology. Oh man, I, I this this episode I thought was it was it was fine. I'll just give it a fine. I I did like it and it's I am ready to move forward with this and I, maybe it would have benefited from them dropping two episodes. Maybe maybe our rating will go up after next week. Yeah, I think it also could have benefited from a little bit of a bigger pause between WandaVision and this, honestly. I know people are just foaming at the mouth for Marvel shows, but Mm -hmm. a nice month pause between the two shows, I think, would have brought different feelings towards it as well. Yeah. It makes you think, though, like, that they're sticking with this Black Widow release in May, that they're getting this out there now. Because if if they were moving that, they could have moved this. Yeah, I see the logic there. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe because this feels more like a Marvel movie itself, 
as opposed to Wanda feel, uh, WandaVision by default feeling like television, do you think that's maybe hurting our viewpoint? Because, you know, WandaVision, you know, you're watching that first episode and you're seeing the Dick Van Dyke show. Mm-hmm. So you instantly in your mind, you're thinking, okay, television. You're watching this, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier. You're watching that first scene and you're sitting there thinking, oh, this could have been ripped from any of the Iron Man or Captain America movies. And that maybe, I, I don't know, I, I'm just trying to think that maybe I'm just sitting there thinking that I'm used to that kind of cinematic being part of a whole story in a movie where essentially I just got the first third of a movie with the setup they did in this. And that maybe two or three episodes in, it might change to a Tupperware. But right now it just kind of feels like, okay. Yeah, I kind of wish that they would have released the first two episodes at once like they did with WandaVision, just to give us a bigger initial taste. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm i really interested to see how it's going to go but with the next two episodes especially. Because, I mean, you, you, I don't know, it feels like usually in the first episode of something, they're like, okay, now we, we're we initially going to we're gonna give you a premise, we're going to set the hook and get you interested. And then in the next episode, maybe we're going to hit you with a little bit more exposition and start to fill in a little bit more of the world that the characters are operating in. But I don't know in this movie or in this in this episode is I just felt like it was is laid out really really interesting that, that we start off with this big huge action sequence and then it's mostly just kind of like slow burn stuff after that. Yeah. So You're, when you, earlier you said. Um... It felt like a zero episode and man, it really, it really does feel like a zero episode. Like all the stuff that I'm wanting to see feels like it's 100% going to be in future episodes. Like Jake was saying, like with both characters, you know, together, working together with, uh, getting Zemo going forward, um, like getting our first like action sequence with, uh, you know, us agent. Uh, the new Captain America, like all these things. That, that's what I'm really looking forward to. And this just felt like it was kind of like, you know, it was a zero issue, like of a comic book where it was just like, okay, these was, this is what's going on with these characters now that, you know, after, after the blip, we saw a mission that in my opinion, the mission was like, not that important. Like, why would I care about this captain? Why do I care? I don't. There were like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. There was, yeah, it was all a fireworks show. It was right. just meant to really impress you visually. And it did. It, and it looked awesome. I loved seeing, like, you know, them shooting at him and him using his uh, wings to be basically a shield. I thought that that was really cool, um, you know. But uh, it really was mostly just a setup episode. I feel like the best is yet to come. And that's what I'm really holding out hope for, is that the best is yet to come with this series. You know, I mean, are we going to see the, the, this new shield do, you know, new things, um, that we haven't seen, uh, before? I mean, you know, there's so much, there's so much that I think going forward in this show, I think could propel it to be a Tupperware. But right now I'm just like, I don't know if I'm really chomping at the bit for the next episode, to be quite honest with you. Like when Friday no. comes around, it's not like the WandaVision event that I felt like. No, I completely agree. I mean, obviously I'll be there and I'll watch it, but it's like I'm not foaming at the mouth for my next like 
intake of this drug, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, th- there will be no 5 a.m. viewings of this for you. <laughs> no, no. Well, I never got to experience that for WandaVision anyway. Honestly, I, I would have. I was hype enough to do that, but I work a 6 a.m. shift every day, so it was just not <laughs> happening no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I was watching it with my kids, and so I had to wait, you know, for Friday evenings to watch it, and I was so tempted Every morning, because I'm an early riser, and so I'm up, you know, a good two hours before them anyway. And it's like you're sitting on the can in the morning. It's like, oh, this is a 30-minute long episode. I could start this right now. Nobody would even know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the weirdest feeling when you're, like, watching a show with a significant other, and yes. you have to pretend like you haven't ever seen it, even though you watched it without them in secrecy. <laughs> I ended up watching WandaVision twice every single Friday. <laughs> Woke up at 5 a.m., watched it, and then that after that evening watched it with the family and just would wait and watch their faces for all the scenes I knew that were coming up. So That's excellent. <laughs> I feel like we're going to learn a lot more about like what's really going on with the Flag Smashers, what's really going on like with, with, the, with the government when they introduce Sharon Carter, when we get Agent 13 back in this series. Yeah, I can't I, wait to see how she's going to play into it because yeah. I loved her in Civil War. Yeah, is she, Winter Soldier? Is she still on the run? Is she on the run? See, I don't know. I was thinking at the time of Civil War, she was working for a government agency, but did did she get in trouble for yeah. for giving you know the you know Cap's his shield back and and Falcon his wingsuit? Yeah, is she still like underground? And I, I don't know, man. I, I, it'll be interesting. I think like once they introduce Sharon Carter, I think we're gonna find out she's gonna have a lot of information to give to our two main characters here about like what might be really going on here. Yeah, and there's some interesting rumors out there about stuff that can uh, you know that is possible. I know there's some a Reddit article that says uh some very interesting things might come to play in episode three um and um are you are we okay to speculate yeah go ahead and speculate absolutely okay yeah so uh steven farshi shared this with me uh i read an article he found and a lot of stuff they had right but at for episode one there was some stuff that wasn't there it didn't happen they said that zemo was going to be yeah yeah, yeah. But that number, that episode three, they're saying Omega Red. Yeah. And I mean, that could could be, that could be huge. And that could be something that's noteworthy. Well, yeah. If we go to Madripoor, he might be in Madripoor. Now, I'd love to see a guy named Patch in Madripoor. But, you know, uh, that would be very cool because uh, that's where, you know, Wolverine hung out and used the name Patch all the time. And his uh that is not gonna happen <laughs> it, it, it would be fantastic though it would be fantastic so yeah. um because th- that's one thing I can't wait to see Wolverine come over yeah um, I just I can't see Wolverine showing up in one of these series though no nah, n- yeah I don't think see I really don't think they're going to introduce mutants in one of these series. I think mutants will have to be introduced in a proper movie, wouldn't you think? Well, isn't there that rumor? It's not confirmed, but isn't there a rumor that there's going to be a mutants movie? Yeah, I think I saw something like that. Yeah, Jake, we okay. discussed it. It sounded. Yeah, yeah. It, it just sounded, it sounded like, a, like such generic news. <laughs> right. It was like, it was like, <laughs> it was basically like, we know mutants are coming. Yeah, there's a movie coming out called Mutants or something. It was just like, okay, all right, yeah. 
just sounds like a bullshit story that they just wanted to get clicks on. Um, yeah, so we, I, I am looking forward to the next episode. I'm not chomping at the bit for the next episode of this. I will watch it on Fridays and, um, hopefully this show will turn me around to the, where I was like foaming at the mouth for the, those new episodes of WandaVision. I'm just not there yet with this show. Yeah. If we go through episode two and they're not together yet, I'm, I'm just going to be straight up pissed. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really hoping it's going to come together a lot more in episode two. And if that's the case, then I don't know. I really wish they would have just done two episodes I, they did I, it for WandaVision. Why not do it for this? Is it just because there's less longer? episodes? Probably. And they're, they're, it's less yes. episodes. There's six episodes and these episodes are longer to begin with. So that's a good point. I, I didn't take into a regard that, that yeah, it is a, it is a less mountain. So that means if they release two, that's one less week that they're going to be showing stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, decisions. I just know if Falcon or winter soldier does not punch the crap out of that fake captain America, I'm going to toss this thing because uh, <laughs> that was such a dumb look on his face at the end. I'm like, Oh, it's like it's ordering a- captain America from wish. It was offensive, wasn't it? I mean, didn't he have the most punchable face you've ever yes. seen? <laughs> I think they did that on purpose. It's like it, it looks like a little kid wearing like his dad's Captain America hel- like helmet. Like it looked too big for his his face. And like I've seen other pictures of the actor, and I know he's normal looking, but in that shot, like he had the bone structure that suggested his parents were first cousins. Oh, one hundred percent, dude. I heard, <laughs> I heard, I fucking heard banjos playing when he saw yes. when he saw him. Like the old man one. <laughs> dude, um, I honestly think that we could see this guy get killed by Zemo and his men. So I could see it too, and just oh, like the wow. government being like, "Fuck, we shouldn't have done that." <laughs> yeah. They send him out on his first mission. It's just a spectacular failure. You guys know the actor is the uh, son of Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Yeah, it's Owen, right. It's Wyatt Russell. He was in an episode of Black Mirror. He was in Overlord, and uh, yeah. there's rumors that they want to get him in there for um, a uh, Escape from New York movie, like a new reboot or something. Oh, that would <laughs> it, be cool. It, it, like knowing who that actor is, it was like, how did they get him to look that doofy? Well, he shaved his beard. I'll tell you that much. And he does, this guy should never shave again. <laughs> he looked like fucking Mr. Magoo with a Captain America's helmet on. Yeah, he looked like the character from Up. Yeah, I've seen that. That he totally does. Oh my gosh. All right, guys, that's all I got for the Falcon and Wither Soldier. I wish I could be a little bit more excited about this one. I didn't hate it. Don't get me wrong. It's just I. I gotta see more of this before I'm fucking fully invested in this story. I gotta see more of it. I gotta see more of it, and it's gotta get better. Yeah, agreed. And there could be things to happen in future episodes that may enhance my enjoyment of watching this episode a second time later on down the road. True, true, true. All right, any final thoughts before we wrap? No, it's great to just have all this Marvel content again. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jason, where can people find you, sir? Um, I host a podcast, Fanning the Geekdom. I interview uh, fans of different Geekdom, just talk to people about things they just love. Um, you can find it on most of your podcast uh, apps, or you can go to our website, ftgpod.com. And Joe, where can people find you, sir? 
You can find my podcast, StartCast. I have long-form conversation shows, uh, just random guests. We talk about whatever comes up. Or you can find me reviewing number one comic books on number one comic books. Or if you're into zombie stories, I have an audiobook uh, called I Become Death that is available on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes markets. Boom. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. We will see you next week. I don't even know what we're doing next week. We got so much stuff, Jake, though. We got a lot of movies we got to cover. Joe's coming back next week. Invincible. Oh, we're talking Invincible. Oh, awesome. That'll be exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been so excited about this. Ever since news... Dude, I am such a huge Invincible fan. So, like, oh, I can't wait for Thursday. I'm so excited. Yeah, so we'll be back next week. Gonna dive into Invincible, Robert Kirkman's comic book. Now, an animated series. I can't wait. All right, we will see you next week. Just like all good leftovers, Sam the Doggy Bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been dead. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say it's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers, sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.